This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Thursday, October 25th, 2018. My guest is no other than Fiona, the techie supreme herself. Hi, Fiona. How are you? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm all right. Uh, it's been a hectic few weeks, right? Phone apocalypse is what everybody's calling it. I've been hearing Techtober. So. <laughs> oh, Techtober is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Or phone no, that's... Phonetober as well, but I, I've been using Phonetober. Techtober. <laughs> no, that works. Yeah. I mean, phone apocalypse is what we were calling it when we were in London for the May 20 launch last week. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is kind of a crazy time right now, I have to admit. Um, so speaking of crazy times, another phone dropped overnight. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. The Mi Mix 3. Yeah. Have you had a chance to catch up on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I was writing about it earlier. Uh, very interesting. Uh, just kind of very interesting introduction in the middle of everything. Because it's not really like... A, I feel like there's just been like a lot of more high-end devices that have been announced in the last few weeks so this is just kind of one of the the lower not like super low end but like i guess mid-range but it still has a high-end processor yeah so it's yeah. very it's a very interesting introduction is, is all i, I mean, can really it's say it's a snapdragon 845 yeah yeah and it's 10 gigs of ram i mean that's insane yeah, well, I mean, that's like there. From what I understand, it there's a special model that they're that's releasing a little bit after there. So there's more standard models that have like six or eight gigs that some people might be a little bit more used to. But then there'll be this special ten gig model that will have obviously have a a higher price tag and a little bit more uh, pomp and circumstance to its release. So that should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, if you look, if you consider, like, the Pixel 3 as 4 gigs of RAM and as a Snapdragon 845, to me, the Mi Mix 3, no matter how you cut it, is square in the flagship territory. Yeah. No matter how many, which model you buy at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and what's crazy is that they seem to have a display here that is pretty much the full enchilada. Yeah. Like, full on, full screen, right? Is there at, Is there any bezels at all in the photos you've seen? Uh, extremely thin. I, in my opinion, I think it does have bezels, but they're very, very small. Um, I feel like it's just, just the idea of, you know, a lot of the previous devices that have come out that are like thin bezel or bezel free, they still have sensors on the top or the bottom or whatever that make it so that even if the side bezels are are very thin the top and bottom they still have a little bit of a top and bottom bezel but this device because there's no sensors there's no buttons on the front you can kind of have the the top and bottom bezels be the same size as the side bezels but they're all equally the same there's they're there but they're just all equally the same size this seems, I was looking at just photos right now, bring up the article that I linked to, uh, sent you the link for. And by the way, I will link to your story in the show notes, of course. Um, All right. I, I mean, at the time, I don't think you had it written when, when I uh, sent you the show notes. Yeah. Um, but there is a tiny, I mean, we're talking a tiny bit more bezel at the bottom edge. Yeah. Now, I'm just looking at a super close up of the screen. 
And so the way, and the top seems to be pretty much the same as the sides, pretty much nothing. Yeah. So, you know, over time, the Mi Mix started out as kind of like, quote unquote, the bezel-less phone. It, it had a, a small chin with the camera in it in the first generation and in the second generation. And now this is the third generation. And they've, I think, finally reached the goal, what they were trying to achieve in the first place of mm -hmm. almost all screen. Yeah. Which is a big deal. And that's why this phone is a big deal because it was the first to really start this trend of edgeless displays. Mm -hmm. um, and to accommodate the, the cameras in the front, what they did was they put, they put a slider yeah. like the Oppo Find X. But did you notice what's different about it? Well, it's the... It's like a... It's not motorized. It's yeah, manual. Yeah. I was... So that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. I, You know what I've been thinking about just kind of to get a little throwback feeling here? I've been thinking it's very much kind of like a sidekick, but for a camera feature. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of the Nokia N95 because the Nokia N95... If you slid it in one direction, it had the keypad. Yeah. And in the other direction, it had a tiny little slider that only had the media controls, like play, pause, next track, previous track. And and it, you know, if you look at it, it would slide up like that from the from the bottom of the phone. And at the top edge, it would give you those four media controls. And this is basically the same, but instead you get the camera and stuff um, and sensors in there. And so to me, it's like, it, but it's mechanical, like the N95 was, mm -hmm. where you, you just push it with your hand and it just clicks in place. It's very interesting that, you know, Oppo did the electric slider option yeah. and and Vivo, of course, did the camera that pops out, the little front-facing camera pops out of the top of the phone. But they just went, ah, screw it. We'll just, you slide it with your hands. And I think that's actually probably more reliable long-term. What do you think? I think that would be... I would I would agree. I feel like that would just kind of um be more comfortable for consumers where it's not something that you while, you know, I feel like for other devices in terms of kind of the the gimmicky kind of like, oh well look what my phone can do and you press the button and things pop and change and things like this. Just the the ease of it would of you know, it's just there's there's a there's a certain ease of not having to worry about things kind of malfunctioning, you know, just the slide is very simple. So you don't why, you know, it's kind it's cool on one end, but on the other hand, it like you said a little bit more reliable. Oh. Yeah, gosh. I mean, I wonder I I didn't look at the specs. Is this water resistant in any way? I don't see it being water resistant with that slider even though it's not an electric slider. I didn't see anything about water resistance honestly. That's the problem with this, right? I mean, it's cool and we kind of want it, but at the same time it's like we've gotten used to our water resistance at least a little bit. Like we're not talking about, you know, I'm not meaning to necessarily go into a pool like you can do yeah. with a Samsung phone. But I'm thinking more like Hey, I dropped it uh, in a puddle, or I—I uh, I think that's a bad example because that means you dropped your phone. But I think more like you're on—you know, having lunch and somebody spills orange juice or yeah. coffee all over the table, and it goes into your phone. I—I I think that's—you know—obviously we've lived with non-water resistant phones for a while. Yeah. So <laughs> I think perhaps it's not a really a big deal, right? Like we're 
we're not going to necessarily uh, care and we're going to just be more careful if you want this phone. But the other thing is that this phone's not coming to the U.S. Yeah. It's going to get imported to the U.S. Just like, you know, the Oppo Find X still hasn't found its way in most markets and uh, the Oppo, uh, the Vivo Nex is the same boat. These are Chinese phones yeah. for the Chinese market and we're going to see some international versions, you know, exported to India, Singapore, Hong Kong, where you can get Google Play services on them. But they're not these kind of phones that you you know, you get because, you know, like it's not really a U.S. or even a European market thing. So that's that's the caveat, of course. But as phone nerds, you and I, I mean, you, we are serious phone nerds. Yeah. So <laughs> we care about the Mi Mix 3 because it's got a bit of history now and it's third generation. Yeah. And we, I had the Mi Mix 2 last year. Okay. I had a review unit. And honestly, I thought it was a really great phone other than the horrible, horrible skinned Android software madness, yeah. which, as we know, is always an issue with these phones, right? Very much so. so. Yeah. <laughs> but ten, the takeaway, basically, you know, if we want to move on to the next topic, is 10 gigs of RAM, holy crap balls. Yeah. And another phone with almost an entire front that's display with, you know, pretty much achieving the goal, the whole, the ultimate holy whatever goal of smartphones being an entire display in your hand with a slider that instead of being motorized like the Oppo Find X is a mechanical hand-activated slider. Cool stuff. Obviously, we don't know too much more about it. I mean, I'll link to some articles, including Fiona's, uh, but the reality is I'm going to try to get my hands on a review unit at some point. I have a contact at Xiaomi. They don't invite me to their events or anything, but at least they send me phones from time to time, which is, you know, all I really need yeah. to think about it. So, yeah. Um, so then the next, the next topic, obviously this week is, you know, phone apocalypse is what I call, we called it in London last week. And, um, you called it a, a techtober? Was that yeah, what you called it? Techtober. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a look. I know. I mean, I've been doing this long enough to know that October can get hectic, but this year seems particularly violently hectic. Yeah. Like, holy wow. So, anyway, um, the next phone we want to discuss real quick is the iPhone XR. And I think the reason for that is we finally got all the reviews out there. Mm -hmm. And that's been kind of like a bit of a wild card, this phone, right? Because it's cheaper than the S and XS, uh, sorry, I should say 10, 10R. It's cheaper than the 10S and 10S Max. Oh God, these names. Yeah. Can you handle these names? I, I can't. I just say oh. X because I yeah. mean, it's, it sounds way cooler. I'm sorry. So Apple's just going to have to to bite that yeah. bullet because XR I mean, sounds way cooler. <laughs> XS is kind of funny, right? Because it's like, uh, it's excessive, but, you know. <laughs> But, but XR, okay, so, you know, um, Phil Schiller was recently interviewed by Chris Velasco at Engadget. I'll, I'll link to that, actually. Yeah, I saw um, that. And, and you saw that, right? And he said, you know, a lot of cars that are sports cars have, like, the R or S moniker at the end of their name. Mm -hmm. You know, I certainly have owned a few of those cars in my years, so I can relate to that. And uh, he said that if, you know, he didn't confirm that was the inspiration, but he, you know, kind of hinted at that it was the inspiration. And because R comes before S... That, that you know positions the the cheaper phone in in a slightly lower rang on the ladder mm -hmm. right and and but the reviews are basically saying this phone is totally freaking awesome and if you don't want to spend an entire thousand dollars on an iphone today you should really look at this phone I, do, do, am i paraphrasing the reviews properly 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, even during the launch event, you know, I was looking at, I was looking at them and I was saying if I was to purchase one of these devices, it probably would be the XR just probably even from the price standpoint alone, but I'm also a a color snob. So that, that was also very interesting to me that you just get a little bit of a, of an extra personal splash with that device. No, I love that. I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of colors. You know, when the 5C and the 5S came out, that was my last review I did for Engadget before I left. And I actually picked the 5C as my kind of daily driver because I like the color, even though the, everybody's like the S, the S, you know, touch ID and, yeah. and all the crazy specs. And I'm like, guys, like, yeah, I get it. But like, look at the, look at the shiny, beautiful, colory goodness that, I just was, I kind of was more intrigued about, you know, I've always been intrigued of when Apple makes an quote unquote iPhone for the masses. And I mean, 750, whatever the XR sells for is really not the masses, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the, the 5C was a little more affordable. The SE, my spouse has an iPhone SE. It's more affordable. Um, and I don't know if they still sell it, but I mean, a lot of people are swearing by the iPhone SE simply because they don't want to go big phone, right? Yeah. And right now, Apple has nothing. Next year, they really need to make an XR an X, and an XR Mini. Yeah. You know, since they have an, I already have an XR and they have an XS and XS Max, mm-hmm. I'm like, give us a 10R Mini and uh, let's see what happens. But I think people want a smaller phone and, you know, after using after having both the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL in my hands, I went with the XL ultimately because I really do need more screen real estate for my day-to-day as my daily driver. Mm-hmm. But I can totally see this year how the Pixel 3 would be a really great choice for a lot of people, right? Okay, so I I don't remember. Somebody, one of our friends tweeted out something and I, my head, I saw this and my head exploded because it was something about the Pixel 3 being too small. And I was ready what? to jump out of a window because I'm like, this is a five point five inch display. Fiona, that was not that that couldn't that could not have been one of our friends. No, it was someone. <laughs> it was someone that we know. I just don't remember who. I was just kind of scrolling, and I just saw the comment. I'm like, wait a minute, like. You know, we spent a cool three, four years hearing the jokes about Samsung and how, oh, well, you're going to have like the Galaxy Note 20 that's going to be like a full screen TV and blah, blah, blah. And now apparently the Pixel 3 is too small because it's like 5.5 inch versus 6 point whatever the hell everyone else is releasing now. Well, so here's my take on that. I think, you know, and I want to talk about the Pixel 3 a bit more, but I want to go back to the uh, the, the 10R for a second. But the, the 3, here's my take on the 3. I think the 3 is the perfect size for a modern phone today. It's the light that it's a full-fledged flagship phone in that form factor, mm-hmm. in that size. I wish that it had even less bezel, mm-hmm. top and bottom, or maybe a tiny notch, a small notch, not a big notch like the, X, the, the XL, but a tiny notch at the top and even more real estate. But that will probably happen next year. Last year, I felt the same way. I felt that in hand, not looking at the screen, yeah. the two with the better choice. But then on the two, the reason I could not use the two or recommend the two is that I could not deal with 16.9 anymore. I could not deal mm. with a phone that had uh, such a, 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 a short screen, I guess, because the, the aspect ratio of those new phones we've been using for about a year or two now yeah. has spoiled me to having so much scrolling space. Yeah. And to me, I think that the next logical step, and I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing this because phone manufacturers are trying to find you kind of like their thing, is 
20 to 9 aspect ratio, 21 to 9 aspect ratio. I'm gonna we're gonna see phones that are taller and skinnier and narrower yeah. because narrow means you can use the keyboard with one hand, and tall means you can still scroll and have a lot of real estate. So we're seeing that almost now with 19 to 5, 19.5 to 9 aspect ratio on phones like the Mate 20 Pro and you know the LG G4, sorry, V V40, not G4. Oh, that's like a few years ago. <laughs> uh, V40 and you know others. So so the Pixel 3 to me finally having 18.9 is where you want to be. If you want a small phone and on an Android, the Pixel 3 is something you really should consider. But back to the XR, the mm-hmm. 10R. From what I gather, the, you comp- the compromises they made are, of course, there's no OLED. It's an LCD, but apparently it's a gorgeous LCD. Mm-hmm. And it has a slightly thicker bezel all the way around, but it's still pretty thin. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have HDR support. And it has a lower resolution, which a lot of people have a, have their knickers in a in a knot about which i don't understand because look honestly i'm as much of a resolution snob as everyone else i feel that 1080p is kind of the minimum i'm okay with mm-hmm. but for uh, most iphone users don't care number one and then it's what 900 something across it's close enough to 1080p and the other thing is you're not going to notice i mean my eyesight's not good enough to notice exactly. i know that <laughs> <laughs> you know, for text, to me, it makes a difference for text. Text is crisper and easier to read. But I think for mo- like, remember, this is still a retina display in the sense that it has the same pixel per inch count as an original iPhone 4, which at the time was like 400 PPI or something or 300 something. I mean, it's it's still it's still fine. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, this got a single camera on the back instead of the, the telephoto and the wide angle. So only it's got the wide angle. But everybody's saying it's better at doing portrait because it can use it has to use the, the main camera for portrait instead of the tele for portrait. And with an f-stop of f of 1.8, it can take better shots in the dark. And so it turns out that the 10R, 10R is better at portrait in the low light than the 10S and 10S Max. Who would have thought? What's your take on that? I mean, I feel like... That would be, again, there would be have to be kind of, I guess it would be a little bit of like an Easter egg where it's like, hey, well, you know, one, we ha- we've we had the issues of like, hey, well, this device took longer to come out and stuff like that. And I feel that there probably are people who probably waited for, for this device to come out, again, even just price wise, where it's like, hey, well, I've waited all this time. I need to have, again, I need to have something that's going to be like, hey, well, my device is a little bit more special than the super premium model. So I feel like those are just like little touches that definitely would um, endure, I guess, yeah, endure uh, consumers to 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 the 10R or the XR, however we're calling it these days, where, um, and, and even maybe even on kind of like an uh, experimental um, uh, uh perspective where it's like hey we've got all of these models let's see which one can go where maybe that would be something that as it moves forward as you move forward you can have the you know um you know it you can for future future devices future the future high-end devices might have something like like the like the XR has and then they might have a different uh camera configuration on next year's models and things like that. So I I've always kind of noticed a lot of companies use the different models as testing beds to to inch forward so that could be something that's going on there. 
Yeah, I mean, the other big deal here is the battery life is better than any other iPhone that most everybody has ever tested. So that means that you're getting a slightly lesser display, in some ways a lesser camera. If you don't use the telephoto, though, on a normal iPhone X, uh, you're not going to care because this is the new sensor from the the, the XS and the XS Max. So uh, it's actually really good. And apparently, as I said, it does better in portrait and low light. So you're not really compromised too much on the camera. You're compromising a little bit on the display. You're getting better battery life. You're getting a screen size that's in between the 10s and the 10s Max, which for some people is going to be way too big. Obviously, the SE buyers are going to probably wait for maybe that mini version that I just uh, mm -hmm. hope Apple will make one day. But other than that, like you cannot go wrong. You're saving $250 compared to an iPhone 10s yeah. for the same amount of memory and storage and honestly i think that the sweet spot is the 800 dollars model the base is 750 and it comes with 64 i think mm -hmm. that the 128 version is 50 dollars more and if i were an iphone user that would be the phone i would buy this year i would buy i and then i'd have to think of the color help me fiona blue what is the blue. blue you're blue. you're into the blue, blue. one blue. uh blue. it's a blue. tough one i I, he, I don't even think i've looked at any of the other colors <laughs> You know, look, I love the blue, but this is the problem I have, you know, is I can't make up my mind. I like all those colors. The yellow is cool because I had a yellow 5C review unit and I liked it. The orange is, I love orange. It's yeah. really cool. The red is product red. It's it's iconic red. And then you have the black, whatever, boring. The white, I like white, the, the white, I like white phones. So I, I would I would dig a white phone there. But but the red and the red and blue the red and black and white to me should be kind of removed from the equation because they're kind of common colors mm -hmm. it's the blue yellow and orange that i have to make up my mind you've decidedly the blue but for me it's yellow versus orange and i think i might go orange it's not bad i i get i think orange would be a close second for me but if i was to buy this i would i would probably buy the blue so so there you go you have it from the horses the two horses on this race and, and from their mouth we would buy an iphone 10 r uh, blue for Fiona, orange for me. I would buy the 128 gig version. That's it. <laughs> um, so I mean the X. I mean the the 10R obviously is is a you know is an important phone uh, for Apple and. It's delivering. Like everything spec-wise, you get three gigs of RAM versus four gigs of RAM. And if you're an Android user, that's a big deal. But if you're an iPhone user, it makes very little difference in practice. So because it's driving less pixels anyway, so it's not going to need nearly as much RAM. And so the, the bottom line is, to me, is that you have you have a really great phone for a slightly lower price. If you're an iPhone user, you're used to the Apple tax. I mean, I'm a Mac user. I'm used to the Apple tax. Um, so... You know, whatever you want to call it, it's kind of cliche to call it the Apple tax. I, the reality is this, good things in life cost a bit more money is what I've learned. And you can snub at that. You can go like, whatever, I'm just going to go stay, stay budget. And that's totally fair. I think that's cool. Like you can buy a Moto G7, great phone. Uh, sorry, G6. You can buy, uh, what, else is what other good phones are there on that price point? Um, I don't know. You can buy OnePlus 6 or 6T that's coming out next week. Yeah. Those are fantastic phones. They're flagship phones for $500, $600. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm just saying that, you know, usually when you pay more, you get something more. Yeah. And I think it, with Apple, it's, it's that attention to detail. The quality of the craftsmanship is there on this phone. Yes, it's expensive. 750 is still a lot of money. But I feel like, you know, it's par for the course. It's Apple. And that's that's what I mean. Like, I'm not a big fan of iOS, but I get it. It's like, I get the difference between buying 
um, you know, you look at, at the Mate 20 Pro and how it's manufactured compared to, you know, like uh, a $200, like, uh, what is it called? Pogo uh, phone, right? Mm -hmm. The Pogo phone is, ch is cheap plastic. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's got the same performance, but like, and if that's what you want, that's cool. That's kind of my approach, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, and again, I feel like, like even like, and I, I hate to say it like this, but I feel like, again, even people that, that quote unquote can't afford it again, it's like, you know, there's, there's that treat yourself aspect to it of like, Hey, if this is the one nice thing that I have, you know, I'm willing to shell out the money. Maybe people don't splurge in other areas of their life, but I'm going to have a nice phone. You know, I'm going to have something that makes me feel good or, or, you know, or whatever. And, 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 you know, and, and even, you know, we're talking about Xiaomi and stuff like that. And like China is a, is a, is a market where, where their devices are very much status symbols. And Apple kind of has that, that same, um, that same, uh, that same aspect in the US where Apple is kind of like the super status symbol where even where, you know, Android competitors in the US don't really have that, 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 that same that same level of of um I don't know how I how I describe it but like you know like Android users are the you know it's like the phone for everyone everyone can have their different type but yeah. it's not really yeah. it's not really you know again you can again you can have the cheap one the expensive one or whatever but you know Apple that kind of has been the thing where it's like you know, high end I mean, all around when that's kind of why they took so long to bring out the cheaper models because that yeah, was I mean, the branding, point. branding matters. <laughs> yeah. Apple, Apple is a high end brand. Yeah. And the phone is so something so personal that you're right. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't spend a lot of money on your phone. It's something you use every day, all the time in your hand, every day in and out. Yeah. And you want the best. If you can afford it, you buy it. If you can't, there's some really good options. As I said, Moto G6, uh, you can look at things like, uh, you got uh, to see the new Honor 8X recently, which I'm trying to get a review in it of, which is the success of the phenomenal Honor 7X yeah. for $200. You can't go wrong with those phones. Yeah, those They're great beautiful. phones, right? They are. They're they're and really they're, they're they're good looking too, and they have decent specs. It's just look, you can't go wrong today. We're living in a place. It's like cars today. You you can buy the cheapest car new today. It's not going to be a lemon, right? Like yeah. it's going to be reliable. It's going to get you from point A to point B. It might not be exciting. It might not be fast. It might not be as comfortable. But you're you're so much further ahead than you were. 10, 20 years ago with a car, uh, even a base model today. And it's the same with phones. You're so much further ahead than you were three, four years ago with a base phone that today. So you can't go wrong. But if you can splurge, you know, these are things that, I don't know, I think that if you ask most people today, what is the single object that you would take with you if you were sleeping naked in your bed and there was a fire and you had to run out of your house instantly, <laughs> right? In naked. I mean, you the phone is going to be right there next phone, to you. Right? You would take your phone, wouldn't you? It's going to be right there next to you, so you might yeah. as well. <laughs> so you take your phone. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a weird hypothetical, but look, this is a reality. A lot of people, you know, are uh, happen off of, uh, house fires up and happen at, happen at night and people yeah. might be sleeping naked. And what do you do? Like, do you, have, do you have time to put clothes on? No, you don't want to burn to death. You grab your phone, you run out. Yeah. Somebody gives you a blanket, you're cool, you're good to go, right? Yeah. That's It sucks, but it's happening to people and i think that to me this is something you want to splurge on and honestly with carrier subsidies which i'm not a big fan of you know i like buying my phones unlocked but i do have to admit not everybody can afford to do that 
And with carrier subsidies, you kind of almost have no excuse to not buy a nice phone today, right? Yeah. I mean, you can get phones for like, what, 10, 10 bucks a month for 24 months or something, and you get yourself a, a nice Galaxy or iPhone. So anyway, moving on, I just want to quickly talk about the Home Hub. Have you played with it? Do you have one to review? Uh, I don't have one to review, but I did go to the Google hardware store the other day and play around with it. So I, I saw your photos. Just... <laughs> I'm sorry? I saw I think I saw your photos. Oh yeah. I I guess I guess because I went right before it officially launched. They were like, Oh, you can't take photos. I was like, Well, I've already taken them, so what are you gonna do? Delete it off of my yeah, device? Exactly. <laughs> Seriously, out of public store you can't take photos? Are they nuts? Do they know how this works? Have you read the label on the back of the box, people? <laughs> um I don't know. I think it's funny. Um so I got a review unit of is it what just to be clear for the listeners, we're talking about the Google Home Hub, which is their the you know the smart display smart speaker thing uh -huh. and it is honestly the you know, a lot of the reviews say it's a great device and and i think i agree it is absolutely delightful experience it is so simple it's so kind of in the background and there's no cameras you don't have to worry about privacy there's a physical hardware switch in the back that turns off the microphones so if you're worried about that you can turn off your mics physically um Honestly, I think Google nailed it. The size is perfect. The display is gorgeous. The speaker is okay. It's not the greatest, but it's not worse than any of the, uh, like the original Google Home. It's about the same as that. Mm -hmm. It's not as good as uh, the, the big home speaker, right? The home Max mm -hmm. or whatever it's called. But it's not as bad as the home mini or anything. And for 150 bucks, you're basically getting assistant with a display on your night table, on your kitchen, in your living room, whatever you want. I think it's going to sell like hotcakes and I am absolutely in love with mine. Um, that's really all I have to say. It's kind of hard to explain how it works. It's basically you just talk to it and it gives you back answers verbally like a normal home speaker, but it will display stuff on the screen to kind of help you along. And because it has a screen, sometimes it can show you a map when you ask for a map. Mm -hmm. you, instead of saying, look at your phone, you know how it sends it to your phone normally because it doesn't have a display. Mm -hmm. Now it can show you and it can show you YouTube videos and it can show you uh, your photo gallery. That's the nice thing is you can set up a screen server, uh, saver, sorry, to be basically like a, treat it like a photo frame where it, it's grabbing one of your um, albums from your Google Photos and displaying it. And if you keep adding stuff to that album, right, mm -hmm. uh, while you're shooting out in the, in the, in the wild, it, can, it adds them to the Google Home display, right? So it's very cool because you could, you, you know, if you're in a like public part of your house, like in the kitchen or living room, your family can see the photos you take as you take them when you put them in that album, right? Yeah. So it's cool. It doesn't do it automatically in the sense of, I think you have to put them in the album, but... I think that's cool because at least it gives you. Do they really want to photo, take a, see a photo of that receipt you just took? <laughs> photo of? No, right? Like you know what I'm saying? Half like, of my half of my Google Photos is screen caps from Instagrams. So. <laughs> there you go. You know totally what I'm talking about. Like you wouldn't want this to be automatic. Anyway, um, read the reviews. I'll link to a bunch of them. Um, it's a great product, 150 bucks. If, um, you know, you don't, do you need this? Absolutely not. Do you not need this product to live? It's not like your phone. Mm -hmm. But honestly, once you have one, you're like, this is really nice. And if you're as invested in the Google ecosystems I am, or if you're an Android user that uses Google a lot, like most of us, I think most of the listeners, you probably too, Fiona, are a big uh, Google user. If you have a Google tie-in, this is really a great product. 
I really, it's really funny because I, I didn't know that, I don't know if there were any like rumors about it before it launched, but I wasn't really paying attention, uh, that closely, but I was, I've even just been thinking a lot recently about that. And it's kind of something that I've thought about all year with other devices that have released with that are like smart speakers with screens because that's for me has kind of been an issue with uh consuming content on google home where it's kind of slowly getting better if you use things like youtube music and things like that but where for example if you talk like a lot kind of like on the very base with no updates or anything like that if you you know if you um if you if the very default setting is like, hey, Google, play Michael Jackson. A lot of times it will pull from YouTube. But if you are trying, you know, if you're doing something else, it, doing something else, you can't say like, hey, Google, play this random video or whatever. You can't do that. And my Google Home is lighting up right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're there you go. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, or this happens to me all the time. I think half of the listeners, uh, when we when I say the keyword on the show, I try to avoid it. But when I, sometimes yeah. I say the keyword on the show, and I'm sure they're really mad at me. <laughs> but but yeah, like if you're trying to pull up uh, more more unique content, you can't really do that on on a Google Home. But if you have the screen, if you need to, you can you know navigate on YouTube and things like that. For me, I. I watch a lot of unique content on YouTube and a lot of times it's, you know, me kind of connecting to my Chromecast and navigating on my phone, which is fine. But, you know, my TV is in one room. If I need to be in the kitchen or in another room, you know, I can't take my TV with me. So I feel like that's what, you know, for someone, again, for someone who is kind of like a, a Google Power user where I'm bouncing from room to room and I need the... Not necessarily need, but would like to be able to take my content with me if I'm in my kitchen uh, making a meal or something like that. And I'm, you know, watching a video. I don't want to have to, like, turn up my TV and I can't see the screen. I can, you know, watch my video while I'm preparing my meal or, you know, even, hey, like, YouTube is full of, of recipe videos. So there you go. You've got yeah. your recipe video while totally. going. While and you can do it hands free. That's the best part. If you already have your yeah. hands messy with flour. Right, you don't want yeah. to pull out your phone, so you just talk to it and you tell it, and uh, what do I need? And then it tells you. And then the other thing that's really cool, Fiona, is that it, it connects really, it plays really well with other ecosystems. So, well, if you have, for example, uh, I guess this is a bad example because Nest is part of Google, but yeah. if you have a Nest Cam somewhere, you can tell it to display the live feed on your on your home. So you can say like, uh, I'm not going to say the keyword, but you can say Google show. Um, you know, show the bedroom cam on the living room ho uh, hub and it'll do it. Yeah. Like it knows which camera because you've named them all, right? It's really cool. Like that feature, if you have a doorbell or something, mm -hmm. you can see, you can spy on your doorbell anytime by just talking in commands. It's really cool. So, you know, that's the nice thing about integrating with voice, right? Remember, there's no apps on this thing. It's yeah. not an Android device. I'm sure it's running Android in the background, but yeah. it's really just all voice commands. And there's you can there's a touchscreen, so you can interact with it. Mm -hmm. um, it's sometimes faster than to, to tap on something yeah. or to, sw to swipe on something. And then the, the cool thing is if you swipe from the top, if you have any smart devices in your house that are like lights or thermostats or whatever, they and they're connected, like integrated with the hub, like you've set them up, you see this 
controls right there. So you don't have to talk to it to turn on a light. You can like walk up to the home, slide from the top of the screen down, and you see all your lights and you tap on the one you want to turn on and off. You know, it might be nicer when you, you know, it's, you're going to sleep and you want to turn off the lights without waking up your partner or something. Mm -hmm. You don't want to speak, right? You can just tap. So that's another feature that you obviously wouldn't have with just a device that's a speaker. So overall, look, the reviews are all pretty much on on point. This thing is awesome. It's definitely the best smart display slash smart speaker, whatever you want to call it, um, to date. In my opinion, I think it's better than this crazy thing that, like, what is it called? The, the Facebook one. Uh, and... You know, you nobody's gonna buy that. Nobody yeah. wants to get you know Facebook with a camera on you all the time. And then even also honestly, the Amazon one, I like the round one, the Echo Spot, mm -hmm. the tiny little round one, the round display because it looks like an alarm clock. It's got that iconic design, but it has a camera, and I don't want to see one a camera. I think if what if if Amazon Smart, they should make a slightly cheaper Echo Spot Mini or something, or Echo Spot Lite that has no camera on it, and then that and make it an undercut Apple. And I think then they'll really, really sell a lot of them because honestly, now that I've had a smart speaker with a display, or if you want a smart display with a decent speaker, whatever way you look at it, I'm kind of mm -hmm. thinking I want one of those in every room instead of just a speaker in every room. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, right? But I think that's kind of where we're headed if you think about it. I mean, I feel like, again, this would be my personal preference. And like, I actually have, it's like a story that I'm writing where I'm just, again, kind of, kind of um, saying like which Google device is preferable for which uh which locations in your home so i feel like again you might want like one of the standard screenless uh google homes maybe in a living room where you already have a tv or you know somewhere again there there's rooms where you already have a screen where you don't need a, a device with a screen but then there's other you know there's other rooms again like a kitchen where you could have that screen device or even in a even in a bedroom it, it, again as you said if you've got family that so people are watching the tv and stuff like that even if you're in a corner like hey i'm just gonna watch my youtube my youtube video over here and not while everyone else is watching you know a disney movie or whatever you know so there's 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 yeah. use cases there's use cases for each for, for for each room in your home and if you have multiple devices and you know you have the means to have multiple devices in the home now you really can cover your bases for the you know the small the the smallest the smallest device to the largest device and now the specialty device where you can again view and interact and now google kind of just has all of the bases covered <laughs> Yeah, no, but it's interesting too because you can cast from that uh, screen to a bigger screen. So you can send it to a Chromecast, right? Yeah. So if you have a, a bigger screen in that room uh, and, you, and, you, and you're watching Netflix and you want to really be a little bit more immersive, you can do that. Um, yeah, for me, like I don't really have TVs in my rooms. Like I'm mostly like around... You know, uh, lap we all use our laptops and, and desktops around the house to yeah. consume content. We have a projector in our living room, but it's a setup thing, right? Yeah. We close the curtains, we pull down the screen, we turn on the projector, we sit down, we get some popcorn, we get serious, we watch shows together. I need to do it's that. It's more of a social <laughs> thing, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a social. When we do it, it's an event. Like yeah. we do it occasionally it's really not something we do every day whereas there's a lot of people who have a tv in every room it's not a big tv but they have a tv in every room for me i don't have a tv in every room so this device actually fills a niche right yeah. because i only have this big projector in that one room 
And it's a bit of a setup. You have to, you know, really like mm -hmm. set, you know, turn it on and all that. Whereas with this, it's always on. It's always ready to respond. And if I want, I can cast to the projector in just two seconds, right? Yeah. So that's that's pretty. This is pretty damn sweet. Is is what I'm trying to say. And then, um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I, I, as I said, I'm I'm impressed with this product. It's it's the user experience. It's really interesting. Kind of, it's hard to wrap my head around it in a way because I'm a nerd, right? So I'm like, I'm looking at the technical stuff. Yeah. Right? I'm like, what's the display resolution? What kind of processor? And what Android? And I'm like, and and all that melts away. It's like, no, it's just a box. I talk to <laughs> it and display stuff. I touch it every now and then. And it, it, I pet it and it does something. And it's like, like you just kind of let go of everything else. It's so liberating. It's kind of hard to explain. You know, yeah. it's like with my phone, I'm tempted to go in an app because you know I see a notification and I'm. Starting to get down the rabbit hole, and yeah. I get in, with this thing, I, it never it never hogs my attention much. I just kind of like yeah. it's it's ambient. Like I just walk by and I talk to it, and I say, "Yo, how's it going today?" And it goes, "Hey, I'm great." And like it's kind of like becomes a member of your family. It's really really interesting. I feel like that's the point because uh, a lot of people have been talking about the size of the Google Home Hub in comparison to other smart displays. And again, I feel like it's not supposed to command a lot of your attention. It's and again, like even I feel like, you know, when again, like like people like us who kind of grew up with the the anticipation of technology coming in now, we're kind of in that space. I feel like that was always the point. Like it wasn't a lot of a lot of these technologies are supposed to be kind of completely autonomous. And but this is kind of like the closest that we can get, even, you know, at this point at least, where it's just like, hey, I will interact with you when I need to, but if you if I don't need to, you're not in my way. It's like, oh, I, I don't have to like move this over or do anything else to, you know, else to it if it's not necessary. It's just there. And when it needs to be used, it can be used. Right. I mean, the only negative, if I have to be nitpicky, because I have to be nitpicky because yeah. I'm a tech journalist, <laughs> is is that it is a little hard to wrap your head around all the things it can do yeah. and learn how to use them all. Like, obviously, you can use voice for everything and it works most of the time, but there's a lot of things you can do on the screen. Mm -hmm. And at first, like I'd, for the first few days, I didn't touch the screen at all. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wait, I can touch the screen. Like when I, you know, pull down from the top to get to the lights mm -hmm. and to my thermostat and stuff, I was like, oh. And then there's something I realized I can swipe on the screen and like if it's, show, it's showing me the weather at that point, it'll show me the next day and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so I could actually touch it too. Oh, okay. It's like you kind of have to like wrap your head around the features and some of them are a little obscure mm -hmm. and I wish they're a little more discoverable. Now, you know, there's a tutorial, of course, and guess I what? Would I, also, I, didn't, I would also I did not follow the tutorial. <laughs> I just went right in, right? I was like... Screw the tutorial. But I think that it's kind of one of those devices where, you know, because I'm a techie nerd, yeah. I, I did that I did that wrong, right? I yeah. think that the average person is gonna set it up and follow the instructions and yeah. then they'll and the instructions are actually pretty straightforward if you follow the uh the, the guide yeah. thing. So once that is done, you're probably all set. Yeah. And I would also recommend for people that live in New York City and Chicago, there's the Google home hardware store. Not Google, right. home, the Google hardware store. And they have, they have like events where there's tutorials on how you use all of the, the, the new devices, including the Google home hub. So, you know, if anybody, and, and you're welcome for the product placement, Google. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yay, Fiona. If, <laughs> if you, if you have the time to go there again, there's tutorials of how to use these devices and make the best of it for your space. So, you know, again, that's an option as well. <laughs> And it's like cool. throughout the end of the year, so anytime you know you're you have time, you can stop by the Google Home 
uh, hardware store and and check out you know whatever help you can you can get. That's a good point. It's like going to an Apple store to get help. They're everywhere. So hopefully Google gets more stores. Um, I, this kind of segues a little bit to the Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, you know, I've talked about it in the podcast a lot. I've, I obviously have both review units. Um, I haven't posted a review yet because I've been traveling and be so busy with phone apocalypse, aka Techtober, that I haven't really had time to sit down and actually... I, that's you know how we were talking about some of the features on Google Home a little unintuitive. You discover them later unless you like you're shown. You don't really know they exist. Yeah. I'm finding the same thing with the Pixel Three and Pixel Three XL. Some of the new camera features mm-hmm. that they announced. Yeah. For the for the first few days, I was like, wait, I don't have these features. Why? Where are these features? And it turns out that I have them. Yeah. It's just I didn't know how to turn them on. So here's the thing: if you want the thing where it suggests the best photo. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you were smiling on one shot, but you weren't on the next. Yeah. You actually have to turn on live photos, okay. like the part where, it, you know, if you don't have that on, you'll never get that option. I di- I had that turned off because I never take live photos. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called on Google. I know live photos is an Apple term, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the six yeah. seconds recording that goes alongside your photos. Yeah. Well, it turns out you have to turn that on to benefit from the recommended photo thing that the, whatever that feature they called the first feature they introduced for the camera, the the super zoom thing. It it just there it works, and I, I discovered that pretty quickly. And they still haven't given us the update for the low light photography madness that they showed at the thing. So. What I'm trying to say is that I wish Google was a little more intuitive on these things. Mm-hmm. Like also like adjusting the focus, sorry, the, the the amount of bokeh after a shot. That's a feature now. Well, it's buried so deep in the edit menus that like you yeah. don't even know it exists. And and I mean, that's my criticism so far. But other than that, you know, honestly, I'm I'm daily driving the Pixel 3 XL because I've always been a Pixel Nexus user as yeah. my daily, and I, so I upgrade from a 2 XL. And honestly, I, I've completely forgotten about the ugly notch. It's still <laughs> super ugly. <laughs> oh my But gosh. I've forgotten about it. Have you I've seen? Com- there's uh, your average consumer. He tweeted out this thing. I don't know if this is a joke or not, or if it was an actual glitch. He tweeted out on his Pixel 3 XL that it had two notches. I think it was like a software. No, you can turn that on. In the developer settings, you can what go to the developer that? settings. So, so get this, Fiona. You can go in the developer settings and turn off the notch at the top, right? Yeah. But you can also turn on an extra notch at the bottom. Oh my gosh. That because because that's because it. it's developer settings. Like, you know, if you yeah. design a phone where Maybe you're holding the phone upside down for a certain app and you want the yeah. notch. You want to simulate the notch on another phone. You can yeah. do it at the bottom or at the top. Oh basically. my gosh. I was like, what? It was so creepy. I was like, what kind of American horror story thing is this? It was so yeah. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I mean, I hate the notch. It's ugly. But honestly, I'm, I'm appreciating the extra phone real estate now that all the status icons are up. They're yeah. at the top. And and the phone is delightful. The camera is certainly a little better. It's a sm- small improvement over last year, but last year was really pretty damn solid. And, you know, 4 gig of exams haven't really been an issue. Uh, Android Pi, the only thing I absolutely hate, 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 hate about my Pixel 3 XL and 3 is the uh, stupid pill navigation. You can't turn it off. It is the only option you have. Nobody's come out with a workaround to get us back our back home and recent app buttons. I want that so bad. I hate, hate, hate the gestures. I hate the way Google's implemented it. It's the worst. It's absolutely horrendously bad. I cannot stress how bad 
horrible and terrible this implementation of gestures and the pill is on Android Pie. And the fact that they force that down our throat pisses me oh. off, like, to absolutely no extent. That's my rant for the day. <laughs> Holy crap, it's so bad. I get so frustrated, I want to throw the phone against the wall. So it's bad? so bad. Getting to the app tray is a freaking nightmare, Fiona. So that like is you have to swipe option, twice I half think? the time. Get this: half the time you end up killing the app that's in for the forefront yeah. because you're swiping on the app to dismiss it while you're swiping up. It's like, who thought about this? Oh, <laughs> uh, so I guess I was thinking that I thought that there was an option, but I think it's only if you're an OEM. So if it's like if it's like Correct. Samsung or something, they have the option to put like their and own if you have a Pixel two or Pixel two XL. Yeah, and if you're a Pixel 2, Pixel 2 XL user, you can turn it on and off. Um, it's an option in the settings. You don't even have to be a developer because it's the old phone and they want to transition people over. Yeah. But there, they oh, forced wow. it on us. And I really do not, I really think they got to bring back. I don't care. Like, this is, like, look, the Mate 20 Pro I've got runs Android Pie. And it has the option for the really, it, by default, it's the, the button. It doesn't have the gesture pill at all. I don't even think that's an option. And and so I should and so check the, out one, my, my OnePlus 6 because I just updated to Pi the other day. Well, there you go. I was going to say the OnePlus 6, I think it gives you the option. Uh, mine is updated to Pi. I've got the option. And of course, their gestures is the OnePlus 6 gestures, not the Pi gestures. Yeah. So it's a different kind of gesture. So you see how it's fragmenting again? Yeah. Here we were all happy. Finally, Samsung gave us the option to swap the back in the recent app button. You know, after having the oh, wrong gosh. position for the back button in yeah. hardware for so long, we finally were for a year there. We finally were at a place where everybody had the back on the left, the, the home in the middle, and the recent app on the right. And Google goes, <laughs> and, destroys this for everyone. Like, seriously, Google, if you guys are listening, this is the single thing that the moment somebody finds a hack and creates some app I can install to fix this, I will go back because I cannot deal with this. Wow. It's such a nightmare. And then the other thing that's kind of meh on the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3X, at least the XL, I haven't used the 3 as a daily driver, so I can't comment on the 3, is battery life. Mm. I'm feeling that, here's what I'm feeling. My Pixel 2 XL had great battery life when I first got it. Mm -hmm. And my 2, I'm just making clear, my 2 XL had great battery life when I first got it, and it was on Android 8. And uh, over time, you know, it slowed down a little bit because, and the battery life got a little worse because the battery wears and there's more apps. And, you know, Android phones tend to slow down except for Huawei phones, which really are really good at holding their speed because they have all this AI for the file system. But that's just an aside. But um, with a, as soon as I upgraded my Pixel 2 XL to Pi, officially, I'm not talking about developer editions. When the official Pi build came out, I upgraded. Mm -hmm. And I immediately noticed battery life took a bit of a hit. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, right? You think that it would be better but it's, it was a little bit worse. Not like life-changing problem worse, but slightly worse. And guess what? I thought the, I saw at that point, I'm like, ah, my Pixel 2 XL is really getting old. It's been dropped a million times. It, you know, it's got all the battle scars. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's on its last legs. I'm going to get a Pixel 3 XL and life will be better. And it is better, but... Um, battery life is not better than my Pixel 2 XL with Android Pie. It, it's about the same, and that's not good enough. Like, it's fine, but I'm finding that in really busy days with Android 8, I could go for a whole day. Mm -hmm. On busy days now with Android Pie, I'm struggling at the end of the day. And so I don't know how that's possible because battery life should be better. Yeah. Uh, and the 845 should be a more efficient chips, you know? I... I I mean, could then the 835 that's on the two. So I, I don't know. 
I don't know. That's weird. That's my thoughts. And the camera, you know, honestly, it's better. It's definitely better, but it's not like a huge leap forward like the Pixel to Pixel Two was. Mm. And um, you know, I I, I can't I, I can't say that you know it's still the best camera for sure. But the Mate Twenty Pro is pretty damn impressive too in terms of camera. It's kind of like similar to the Mate to the P20 Pro, but adds the wide angle. Yeah. So it makes you even more creative, but it has all the flaws of the P20 Pro in terms <laughs> of imaging, like a little too much over sharpening at times, a little heavy handed on the HDR processing. Yeah. It really depends on what you like. If you just want to mash the button and just get great photos every time, get a Pixel 3 XL. But if you want to be creative and want to really have fun with your camera, I'm finding that the Mate 20 Pro, just like the P20 Pro before it, mm -hmm. is a total delight. Have you had a chance to play with these new phones from Huawei? Uh, I have not. Huawei, hit me up. That'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> ah, did you hear I'm that? I'm just folks? saying. Send it's so Fiona funny. It's so funny Pro. because I have contacts at Honor, but all of my Huawei contacts have completely disappeared, and I'm just like, hello. <laughs> well, I'll send you. I'll send you some emails of people you can ping. Okay, um, because they're be really good people. Yeah, you need that. So anyway, the point I'm making is that if you try to get your hands on a Mate 20 Pro, yeah. because um, that camera is... I mean, I don't know if you've ever played with the P20 Pro, but... I have. It, it, yeah, so you know. And imagine you replace the monochrome with a wide angle, like, you know, like LG style, you know, super wide angle. Yeah. That's basically what they did. Okay. And that wide angle has autofocus, which means you can do macro photography with it, which is really interesting. Nice. So, you know, I feel like in some ways the Mate 20 Pro... Because the one I'm using as pre-release software mm -hmm. is a bit worse in imaging than the P20 Pro was. Like you can see they're still fine-tuning some stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's because of the hardware. I really think it's because the software needs some tuning. In some ways, though, it's better because you get that super awesome wide angle with autofocus that lets you do macro. And that really brings up a whole new experience. And, you know, the Kirin 780, or sorry, 980 is so much faster than the Kirin 970 that um, the processing times on all these fancy imaging stuff is really much improved. So it's not that the P20 Pro was slow at taking photos in any way, but but you can notice, like you can you can really uh, get the, 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 you know, take a lot more photos faster with the, the 980. It's hard to explain, but it's, it's not really about shutter speed. It's more like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just seems to be able to like, do some stuff faster. One thing it does slower though is the, the AI stabilization, which on the P20 Pro was after after a few software updates was pretty sorted. Mm -hmm. And this it's still a little like that's where I think it's pretty really software. It takes a little while longer to lock in than the the than the P20 Pro did. And I think that's again considering this, the the Kirin chip is way faster. I think that's just the software issue that needs to be tuned. But overall, I've had the Mate 20 Pro for what about a week and a half and. It's been a great phone. I've had the Pixel 3 XL for about two and a half weeks. And again, a great phone. It's honestly, right now to me, this that's a toss between those two phones. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think it's going to be interesting next week, Fiona, because the OnePlus 6T is coming out. Will you be at the event? I will be at the event. Yes, I will <laughs> see you there because I'm going to New York for this one. I'm very so, excited. I feel like I'm this super is going stoked to be about it. the most pomp and circumstance of all, especially with the Apple event the very next day. Like that Absolutely. was just ridiculous. So, <laughs> So I honestly feel that the three phones are going to be in my pocket 
uh, like right now I've got the V40, the Pixel 3 XL, the Mate 20 Pro, and I'm still having a Note 9 because, you know, I have four pockets. So <laughs> I'm the Note 9. Still. I think the Note 9 is going to go on the shelf for a little bit oh and get replaced with the OnePlus 6T. Okay. And then, holy crap ball, that's a combo in my pocket, right? Yeah. Uh, OnePlus 6T, Mate 20 Pro, Pixel 3 XL, and, of course, the awesome v40 i mean not as awesome as the others honestly i uh, uh, speaking of what do you think do you have one uh no i don't have one yet i'm still waiting for my for my review model to come in but uh i just i am actually like i did want to chat about that because i i went i went to the launch event uh in new york and so i i have gotten to play around with it a little bit and i i enjoyed i enjoyed it a lot it's really interesting because i know it's supposed to be one of their more flagship devices, but you know, LG's in this word space where it's kind of like they're, they're doing flagships, but it's like, you know, it, yeah, I know what you com mean. competition wise. It's like, we think it's very interesting, but then, you know, how, the, how, yeah, they're not getting the it? sales and the attention yeah. and the love. And you know, that's the thing I feel that's so sad about yeah. the V40 is that if you take the phone in a vacuum, right, yeah. you look at it and you don't ignore what's, hell, what's around it. Holy crap balls. That phone is insane. Yeah. I mean, Snapdragon 845, six gigs of RAM. Like the display is gorgeous. 6.4 inches almost covers the entire screen. There's a tiny notch at the top. It's got like the three cameras in the back. So just like the Mate 20 Pro, like a, a tele camera, a regular and a wide angle. It's got two front facing cameras. It's got the quad DAC uh, headphone jack that sounds absolutely incredible. Uh, on paper, this thing should be a slayer, yeah. but nobody seems... Uh, first of all, I think it came at the beginning of phone apocalypse yeah. October. So now it's been eclipsed by everything else. Second yeah. thing, it's an LG. And so the software is a bit meh. And then the pricing is a little high. 900 is too much for that phone. And, you know, it's going to be sold to carriers. So it's going to be hard to find unlocked, all that stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't have the marketing clout behind it. And and then third, you've got the whole problem of, you know, it's 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 like they made some bad decisions. Like it's got no OIS on the tele lens, right? Like mm -hmm. that's if you're gonna have no OIS on any lenses, um yeah. that's bad. Especially but if you're gonna have point. if you're gonna have one lens with OIS, at least make it the tele lens, yeah. like 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 Huawei did with the P20 Pro and the Mate 20 Pro, because you can probably do stabilization and software nowadays for the others, but tele is so hard to stabilize that I'm like they didn't do that and it it and it, sh it shows because they're constantly switching to the main camera for tele and zooming in basically and giving you like pixelated stuff because it auto switches yeah. between like when you set it to zoom it doesn't stay on the tele like it'll switch to the main camera if the light is too low mm -hmm. because f over 2.4 on that tele lens right mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of some decisions like that I kind of met. And then the 3300 milliamp hour battery, honestly, it hasn't been an issue. Battery life has been really solid on the V40 for me. But on paper, you compare that to a Note 9 with 4000. Yeah. You compare that with a Mate 20 Pro with 4200. Like even the Pixel 3 has more battery than that. Like yeah. Pixel 3 XL, I mean. So we're talking about like they kind of bear essential amount of battery, which is kind of unfortunate. That's my opinion. But I love the phone and I think it should get more love from people. Even the journalists seem to be very blasé about the V40 and I feel that's um, that's kind of unfortunate for LG. They haven't been able to capture the mindshare, right? Yeah. I mean, it again, even in the camera, like the camera features, and I'm sure like, again, a lot of these uh, newer devices are having, you know, three and four lenses will have the similar features, but 
I was able to test out the feature. It's like a special camera, that special camera feature where you, you know, you see those like little like clips where it's like the, the person is like looking at the, at a mirror and then they, they're looking away from the mirror and then their face turns towards the mirror. So like there's a feature on, on the, on the V40 that's like that, that I got to test out. So there's like, again, there's, because it has the different cameras, uh, uh, more than two, you have the option to do special camera effects like that, where at least from from my from what I've seen so far from the devices that are having the triple lenses and the quad lenses, that's not something that some companies have have highlighted as much. But again, even just like again, cool things like that that you can do on the camera, and you don't have to be like a camera expert in order to do that because it's on your device. So like. Yeah. And again, that's just something, again, that I saw highlighted by LG that I haven't really seen highlighted by other manufacturers as yet, at least. (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with everybody's trying to copy the iPhone camera interface. Like uh, Sam Byford at at The Verge wrote a really cool article about that. I'll link to that. He he reviewed a whole bunch of Chinese phones and, you know, how a lot of them are copycats of the iPhone UI. But he specifically talked about the camera on how almost everyone is emulating the camera interface on the iPhone. Mm -hmm. And, of course, LG is not really doing that. And, And so... In one way, that's refreshing because it, it lets them introduce more features and new features and integrate them better in the camera. They have all these manual controls for video, which nobody else has, which I think are really great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a good assessment. They're doing some special stuff and they're not getting the recognition, I think. Listen, we should wrap it up because I know yeah. you've got to run and I want you to be able to, to pimp your new blog, which when I had you on the show in March, you hadn't started yet. So do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media and where they can find your writing? Uh, well, my blog is techiesupreme.com. And yeah, I think I probably, I'm not 100% sure. I may have had just been getting started what, the last time we spoke. But That's now, right. uh, now I'm getting into my groove and publishing regularly and hopefully getting some more detailed content and reviews on the site. Uh, so the blog is techiesupreme.com and my Twitter handle is techiesupreme, Instagram, techiesupreme, and Facebook, techiesupreme as well. Uh, and I Yay. also do a little bit of freelance for um, LifeWire and uh, GearBrain. So you can also check out my work there. There you go, folks. Thanks, Fiona. I'm going to let you quickly know where to find me. But before I do, I want to thank our sponsor, audible.com. If you love audiobooks, it's all about Audible. You maybe not be, you might not be able to listen to, uh, sorry, read a book when you're, for whatever reason, maybe you're at work, maybe you're, uh, you're driving or whatever, but audiobooks have their place in the universe and nobody does it better than audible.com so uh, you know you should check out audible.com if you're not already subscribing and a member uh, there's a link in the show notes below it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech if you click through that link you will support the podcast and at the same time benefit from all the awesomeness that is audiobooks and specifically audible so go check that out and you know, to wrap things up, you guys know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's 
uh, TNKGRL like Tankerl, the comic book, but without the vowels. And that's my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle. You can find me on Facebook by my name. But more importantly, go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Miriam Miriam with a Y, spell out my full name, uh, which is spelled out on Twitter in case you're wondering. And then you can subscribe to the channel. This channel has unboxings, hands-ons, and some review videos that are complements to this podcast. They add to the podcast by giving you some visuals to go along with it. So watch the, sh- the channel, uh, subscribe to the channel, tell your friends, hit the notification bell, like the videos, all that good stuff. And of course, if you're happening to listen to this podcast completely by accident, please subscribe to the podcast, mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Stitcher, Slacker, TuneIn Radio. You can find me by just Googling or typing Mobile Tech Podcast. And if you get other results, because that pings a bunch of search keywords, add Tinkerl, T-N-K-G-R-L to that search, and you'll definitely find the podcast on whatever platform of choice. So there you have it. Um, Fiona, thanks so much for uh, coming on today. I know you've got an insanely busy day. And more importantly, I know we had some technical issues at the beginning. So I want to thank you again for being on the show. Uh, definitely. Thanks for the invite. It's always a fun time. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll have you on again soon. And then in the meantime, stay tuned for another show uh, next week, folks. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.